Okay. This is where we, yeah, where I'm going to start sharing. So anyway, thank you. Just take, put them back down there. So this morning, we're, I want to like to share from John 17. I'm going to read the whole chapter. It is Jesus' prayer just before they went into the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, so John chapter 17. And basically what I'm going to do, I'm going to read the, read the chapter, the whole chapter. Pay close attention to what Jesus is praying about. And who he's praying for. It's divided into three different sections. See if you can sort of uh, discover what those three different sections are. As I read from John 17. Jesus spoke these words. Lifted up his eyes to heaven and said. Father the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh. That he should give eternal life. To as many as you have given, have given him. And this is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself. With the glory which I had with you before the world was. I have manifested your name to men whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now I am no longer in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me I have kept. And none of them is lost except the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself. That, ye, that they also may be sanctified by the truth. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they all may be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one. And that the world may know that you have sent me, 
and have loved them as you have loved me. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, which you have given me. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world has not known you, but I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. And I have declared to them your name and will declare it, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. We can come to your word. We, be, we can be encouraged and we can encourage others as well, Father. Your, wor- uh, your word is truth as it is stated in here and it can go out and spread. And so help us to be tools. Help us to be used an extension of you, Lord, to the world so that they may know that we have been sent by you as well. Just like Jesus was saying that he sent his out in the world. So we just want to commit this word into your hands. Father, just pray that you give me words to speak, that it would be the truth that you have placed upon my heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at this uh, this passage here it's divided into three different he was praying for three different groups of people the first one was obviously for himself he wanted to be glorified he wanted to glorify God that's found in the first five verses and he wanted to be he was actually praying to be glorified Back to his former self. He was looking forward to having fellowship with God again. His work was almost completed here on earth. And he was looking forward to... Wouldn't we be looking forward to something like that? He had helped create the world. He had created all these people that God had then given him. And he was looking forward to being able to be back in the presence of his heavenly father. But he did not forget that his heavenly father needed to be glorified. And he also was asking to be glorified through those that were here on this earth as well. So the main theme here in that first section, section 1 through 5 for himself, was that God would be glorified through him, through Jesus Christ. And this was one of the very few times, it might have been only the only time when Jesus was talking, that he actually mentioned his own name, Jesus Christ. Usually it was myself, me, or I, but he uh, actually proclaimed his own name when he was praying this prayer to uh, to God. And that was in verse 3. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So he was walking he was talking in, I forget, I'm not a, an English teacher. Uh, I'm not sure which tense that is. But anyway, he was speaking about himself when he said Jesus Christ that was sent to the earth. So I want to back up a little bit. Already now, this is the first section that he was praying for himself that God would be glorified through what he was doing. And that he would then also be glorified once he goes back up into heaven. So we see a little bit of a taste that he's, he's knowing that he's, his end on earth is drawing close. He's looking forward to going back into heaven. And he's sitting at the right hand of God presently. But then also this prayer, as we look at it, 
we know the Lord's Prayer, which is found in Matthew, Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. There's lots of different similarities as well. But that, he was instructing his disciples how to pray. Here, he was praying to God himself, God the Father. And he was committing three different groups of people. But as we look at the Lord's Prayer, and as we look at this prayer as well, there's things that are very similar. Some of those similarities are, uh, prayer is repeatedly directed to God the Father. There is recognition of and concern for God's name. God's name was used in both prayers when he was praying and how he instructed the disciples to pray. There is concern for the work of the kingdom of God and there is concern for keeping them from evil. And we see that in the latter part of, the, of, the, of chapter 17 as well. We don't know where this prayer was at, uh, where was where it was at, but he was with his disciples because in, go right into chapter 18, the first verse, it says this way, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And that was talking about the garden of Gethsemane. They were going into the garden of Gethsemane where he prayed some more and where he was arrested and the start of all of the, the trial and everything. So we don't know where they were, but somewhere they were close to the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed to his father. And then we know that we know, one of the things that we do know, he is our intercessor in front of God the Father. And there's lots of different verses in the Bible. There's a few here that I want to share. Romans 8.34, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Makes intercession for us. Then there's also multiple different quotes. Um, one is from a Scottish minister, Robert Murray McChay. This is his quote. If I could hear Christ praying for me in the next room... I would not fear a million enemies, yet distance makes no difference. He is praying for us. So why do we need to hear Jesus praying for us? We know he's sitting on the right hand of God, making that intercession for us. And so I think it's very powerful that we have an intercessor. We know that. But, like the Scottish minister said, it would be much easier if you just hear him and be reassured. But can't we be reassured with those around us? We can encourage each other. Yes, God is inter interceding for us. When we have prayer requests, God, is, God hears your prayers. Let's make sure we encourage those around us when they ask for prayer to make sure that that is also um, shared with those around us. Um, I would also like to share one other. Uh, Charles Spurgeon has also, uh, this is a quote from him, talking about this period of life that Jesus, when he was praying, in the sacred record, however, much more space is taken up by our Lord's intercessions as he nears the end of his labors. He realizes it's coming to an end. After the closing supper, his public preaching work being ended. I never gave that a thought. It was now done. He was getting ready to go into the next one. He's going to spill his blood for us. And nothing remaining to be done but to die. He gave himself wholly unto prayer. He was not again to instruct the multitude. Or to heal the sick. And in the interval which remained. 
before he should lay down his life, he girded himself with special intercession. He poured out his soul in life before he poured it out unto death. That was Charles Spurgeon that made that quote. And so that made me realize, Jesus realized he was coming to the end of his ministry, his earthly ministry. He was done preaching. He was done teaching. And so in the first part of that prayer, he was praying for himself. The second part of the prayer, he was praying for his disciples. And um, that, that's found in verses 6 through 19. And it's very wordy. He, thee, me, you, them. And you really have to follow close. But he was talking about God the Father gave him his disciples so that he could teach them and disciple them so that then they could go out into the world and do the same thing. And that's what they did. And uh, the world was seeing that, Jesus, that God the Father actually sent him because they were sharing of all the good works that he had done. And not only that, the works that they were doing through the power of the Son of Jesus Christ. Verses 15 and 16... I'd just like to share that. And that can, we can take those as, as promises to us as well. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus was praying this. He was saying, I'm not going to pray that you take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. And Jesus is doing that right now, sitting at the right hand of Jesus Christ. I mean, of, of God the Father. And interceding for us to protect us from the evil ones, from Satan. And so we can take that to assurance and go forth in our ministry and know that he wants us to succeed in this world by spreading the gospel. And so I just pray that we can take that to heart. Wherever we're involved in, it doesn't matter where we're involved and what, what we're doing. And I'll just um, share a little bit about that in, in a little bit here. Um, the last part. Last section is verses 20 through 26 where he's praying for us directly for all believers. And what I think is so neat is in there is in verse 20, it says, I do not pray for these alone, which is the believers, but also those who will believe in me through their word. So basically, he's also praying for the new converts that we are supposed to be making and that we are supposed to be teaching and so we need to do our part so that Jesus can pray for those new converts and those new believers he's already looking forward to the future he's encouraging us as believers to stand strong and to to take the the word to the world and not to be scared and to Teach and preach different things there. Verse 18, let's, I'm going to jump back to verse 18, where he was talking to the disciples, which then the disciples were making disciples and making disciples, which we are part of that, that, uh, that ripple effect. The mission of the church corresponds with that of Christ. And verse 18 says, As you sent me into the world, he's talking to God, as you, God the Father, sent me into the world, I, I, Jesus Christ, am also sending them into the world, talking about disciples and disciples and disciples. So we're supposed to go into the world and teaching 
And with that, I would like to share a story about that last slide that I'd, I'd shown. Go ahead and put that slide up there. Then I'll ex explain my story about that. That is Pastor Daniel, which is the chief's son. And that is Josiah, which is Mike's son, sitting beside, beside him, representing Josiah as a younger man. And this bench is the exact same bench that young Josiah sat on the bench with the chief every afternoon. Now remember, the chief was a Muslim. Pastor Daniel became a Christian. His father still accepted him. But anyway, starting of the story here. I, for, for just an illustration, the age of what Josiah would have been done when he actually built, started building this relationship. I'm going to call up two people from the congregation there. They know ahead of time that they're supposed to come forward. And I've asked Glenn to come forward. And I've asked Paul to come forward. As we look at this age difference, thank you, Paul, for helping me out on this. As you look at this age difference, and you look at the young men sitting on the bench, that is the actual bench that they sat on every afternoon. The chief, the older gentleman, and Josiah, the young man. They lived over there for three years as missionaries, and he would have started, he would have started building his relationship with the chief when he was six years old. So ages six, seven, and eight, he built a relationship with the chief, with a Muslim chief, and he shared the gospel with the chief. He built that relationship. Okay, thank you. You may go back to your seats. Thanks, Paul. He built that relationship as a child. He begged with the chief to become a believer and after three years, when they left, let's, let me backtrack a little bit. They always had a sort of a set time that they would meet because obviously the chief had his work to do and Josiah had his schoolwork and chores to do. So in the afternoon, after chores were done, his schoolwork was done, Josiah, it came out to basically the same time in the afternoon. But then he would re run to this place underneath the tree, sit on that bench, which is uh, the chief's house was in the background there. And they would meet there on that bench and they would talk. I'm not sure what all they talked about, but Mike says that Josiah shared the gospel with the chief for those three years. The last afternoon they were there, the chief came to Mike and asked, requested that he could spend the whole afternoon with Josiah because they had built such a special bond. So he let him do that. And during that time, Josiah was begging with him, chief, please turn your life over to Jesus. He didn't, find, he didn't find that he did at that time. So they left, not knowing if he ever would or ever will accept Jesus as his Savior. 
multiple times coming back, different mission trips. They came back. And uh, if I get this right, the story right, he came, every time they came back, they always visited. And he always shared the gospel with them. And the last time that they came would have been in 21. I think it was in 21 that he was just really pleading because during that, at that point in time, the chief was, had dementia and was going downhill. He wasn't in very good health. And Josiah just cried and pleaded with him. He wanted him to accept Jesus Christ because he wanted to spend eternity with him in heaven. Still no indication. Still no indication. They went home. And it would have been about six weeks later, I believe it was, when Pastor Daniel, his son, had come to visit his father. And as they were sitting there, they knew he was, he was on his deathbed. He was close, close because he, wasn't, he was incoherent. And he was spending time with him that afternoon. And all of a sudden, the chief sat up in bed. And he looked at Daniel, his son. He thought it was Josiah. And Mike Baker <laughs> very vividly says, how could he mistake a 6'3", six, 6'4", white boy? And it was his son, which was only 5'8", and black, sitting in front of him, sitting with him. Obviously, it was the Lord. He sat up in bed. And he confessed to who he thought was Josiah, but was, was his son. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. And it all started. It all started with a six-year-old boy. And I just thought, we need to build relationships. It doesn't matter how old we are. But he confessed to him that he had been maybe a believer for a time. But you have to remember, Mike had always suspected he might have been a Nicodemus, a silent believer. He was still the chief of the village. He was Muslim. He was scared. But he believed in his heart. But he shared when the time came was right. And he told Josiah, I will see you in heaven. He thought it was Josiah. It was Daniel. I will see you in heaven. And so that was a great challenge for myself. It doesn't matter how old we are. Old, young. We can build relationships across the generations. Obviously, the chief saw something in young Josiah that drew him towards Jesus Christ. And that's what I want to leave with all of us as a challenge. That we can draw others to Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus was praying for in verse 20. I do not pray for, those alone, for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, through the disciples' words, through others. It's a ripple effect. 
How much am I involved in that ripple effect? What am I doing to make that happen? So I just want to challenge you. I was challenged. And not only that, looking at the church there, it's flourishing. They have their own pastors. They have their own church plant. They have their own clinic. They have their own school. The village, the Muslim village, wants them to expand a Christian school in their village. What more can you ask? What more can you ask? But of course, like I explained a little little bit, the village isn't without its faults. We have a villager that's contentious. Here's in the, the, the citrus grove all this fruit that could be harvested could be helping the village but they're in a stalemate. A good reminder that's exactly what Satan wants to do. He wants to destroy all the good work. We need to pray towards that end that that can be resolved. And Mike, when we were there he met with all some of the, all the village leaders. He said he met with all the village le- leaders individually while we were there, encouraging them, resolve this. Even if it's paying off the villager, saying, here, we'll pay you off so that we can help the village. So we need to pray towards that end that that can be resolved. Then another example of behind the, the orange grove, it's this kind of tree, help me, Brianna, Malina tree. It is a very prolific type of tree. After six years, you can harvest the tree, but they leave, I forget, what did they say, about four feet of the stump left? I forget what it is. They harvest it, sell it. In another six or seven years, it has shot out new shoots. They can harvest it again. And in seven, six or seven years, they can do the same thing. Is that what we're supposed to be doing as a church? Should we be reproducing every six or seven years? Just a thought. Maybe a challenge from God. So, three different challenges. We're never too young to share the gospel. Number two, we always, always, always need to pray against the defeat of Satan in our own lives, in the lives of others. Because he's, what, what did we learn at men's retreat? He's a murderer and a liar, right? He doesn't care how he destroys us. He wants to destroy us. Challenge number three. We as a church need to multiply. How can we multiply? How can I be involved in doing that? So anyway, I can tell you my Africa trip was great. I was challenged from the bottom of my heart to see what was happening there. And I was able to use applications here in our own congregation. The share the gospel, 
pray against Satan's defeat in our own lives and others, and let's pray for multiplication. I want to leave you with some verses here as encouragement. Very familiar verses. One of them is my favorite verse. First one, I think, is Rhoda's verse, favorite verse, I think. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Isaiah 41, 10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. There's lots of more promises in the Bible. We can't do it alone. Not, absolutely not. We can't overcome Satan on our own. We have an intercessor sitting in the right hand of the God the Father. He's praying for all of us. He's praying for you individually. And for those that you will share the gospel with. Jesus is praying for those already. What a challenge. Why don't we stand for a closing prayer? Thank you for your attention. And if you have any more questions about Africa, the three of us will try to answer questions. But anyway, shall we pray? Heavenly Father, as we come before you, as we are challenged, what you've given us as an example on a mission trip to come back here to the States and to do right here what they're doing over there. Help us to be faithful to you. And Heavenly Father, thank you for your son Jesus that died on the cross, shed his blood for us, and now he sits at the right hand of you, God the Father, interceding on our behalf. Help us to be truthful. Help us to go and share the gospel. Help us to multiply. Help us to pray against Satan and his workers that he would be defeated in our lives and others, other people's lives as well. As we go forth, help us to be an example for others in the world that they would see our examples and want what we have because of you living inside of us, Jesus. We give you all the honor and the glory and the praise. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.